Hello, everybody, and welcome to Podcast of the Planet of the Apes. Today's episode is... Episode 1, The Planet of the Apes. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of Podcast of the Planet of the Apes. I am Andrew. And I'm Joe. How about that uh, that intro music, Joe? Uh, fantastic. It was amazing. I, I can't believe we have that. That's by our good friend, Louis Aronowitz. All of his information is going to be in our podcast info. Dude totally knocked it out of the park. I asked him, hey, man, you want to do Planet of the Apes song? And he was all like, yeah. That is a great story, Andrew. Thank you. Fantastic you know, the way you told it. I think this podcast is going to have a lot of great stories like that. So please stick around for all the years to come. Today is our first episode. We're going to be uh, doing an overview of the original Planet of the Apes, the 1968 film. Uh, we've got a really cool guest today. Uh, his name is Joey Ross. He's a t-shirt designer. He's never seen it before. And so we kind of pick his brain about everything discuss Planet of the Apes, discuss the future of the franchise, as well as everybody's favorite thing to talk about on the internet, Rotten Tomato scores. Oh, yeah. And let's make it even more confusing because we are both Joes. Yeah, that, that was really good on my part for getting a guest named Joe when my co-host is named Joe on our first episode. So um, I'm doing great so far. Please enjoy our interview with Joey Ross, who's different from Joe. Joey, welcome to uh, Podcast of the Planet of the Apes. This is our very first episode of Podcast of the Planet of the Apes. So we're just going to kind of get some pre-show jitters out of the way real quick. We're going to go around, uh, kind of explain who we are, what we do, and our history with the Planet of the Apes. Uh, I'm going to go first. My name is Andrew. I am co-host of the show. I work part-time at a comic book store. My history with Planet of the Apes goes all the way back to uh, when I was a child. Uh, my grandfather, I remember him watching Planet of the Apes a lot on the Sci-Fi Channel, as well as being homesick. I would also watch the Sci-Fi Channel, and they always had the 70s television series on during the day. So I remember watching parts of that and being super confused. So that's kind of my history with it. And then I really got hardcore into the original series about when I hit college and really just kind of fell in love with the original series quite a bit. And I really enjoy the new ones. Joe. Uh, hey, hey, Joey. How you doing? Uh, my name is Joe. I uh, I'm a voice actor and I work for a technology company. Uh, ooh, my history with the planet of the apes. Uh, I actually started with the Tim Burton movie. That is my beginnings of the planet of the apes, uh, much to the chagrin of my co-host, Andrew. Um, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not good. <laughs> um, uh, I've seen a couple here or there. So like the first one of the new ones, I saw the second one. I have not seen the one with Woody Harrelson uh, and I have seen the original one twice now. So I am pretty much uh, a novice, but excited to take this journey with everybody to the planet. And uh, Joey? Uh, yeah, uh, my name's Joey. Uh, I screen print T-shirts for a living. I know Andrew through that uh, comic shop that he said he works part-time at. That's how I met him. Uh, it's my first time meeting Joe. Nice to meet you. Um, yeah, and I pretty much know nothing 
about Planet of the Apes. I actually lied a little bit when Andrew first <laughs> uh, was talking about this. I said, I've never seen one. And after I started thinking about it, after he asked me to do this, I said, I started thinking about it. I said, oh, you know what? I did see one. I saw the newest James, the first James Franco one in theaters. A bunch of my friends were going to see it. And I was like, I don't really want to see that. And they're like, oh, come on. It'll be fun. You don't need to, you don't need to know anything about it. And I said, okay. And I went, I liked it, Interesting. but I okay. don't really remember too much. But uh, other than that, never saw them. Kind of like what you were saying, Andrew, they were always it was like 70s TV. It was always on like TBS and stuff. Yep. And I was like, oh, that's boring. And I just never <laughs> watched it. I never wanted to see it. So, uh, yeah, nothing ever like reached out or nothing ever like jumped out to me to say, oh, I better watch these. Can you believe that after seeing the Tim Burton one, I didn't choose to go back as a younger man to watch the rest of them? Oh, no, I, I 100% understand why not. <laughs> um we definitely have uh, here at the podcast definitely have an, an opinion on the Tim Burton one. I don't know if you can tell what it is yet, but uh, we'll get into that eventually. Honestly, I haven't seen the Tim Burton one since it was out in theaters. I, I It might surprise me. I, I might actually like it. I doubt it. So um, kind <laughs> I'm of super excited. Go yeah, I'm really excited. Or as I like to call it, Marky Mark and the Monkey Bunch. Um, <laughs> so we're going to kind of interview Joey uh, kind of about his experience watching Planet of the Apes for the very first time. I'm super excited to kind of like hear this because <laughs> I feel like we live in a society right now where Planet of the Apes is it's in our zeitgeist and it's pretty well known. It's kind of like a Star Wars. It's very rare to find someone who's never seen a Star Wars movie, but I find something absolutely fascinating and just thrilling to kind of like see a movie that I've seen a hundred times, hundreds of times and see it through someone else's eyes for the first time kind of thing. So I think we're going to kind of do that with Joey here today, kind of go through what his expectations were and and uh, what we're kind of got out of Planet of the Apes, as well as kind of dive a little deeper into the mythology, as well as, you know, just characters and stuff like that. So, Joey. Going into this, what were you expecting from this movie? I was thinking, all right, this is either going to be super boring, or <laughs> I'm going to get I'm going to get hooked right away. And because I was thinking about it, and there's a lot of those '70s movies that were always, like I said, they were always on TBS or TNT or something, and I yep. would never watch them because I don't know if you guys agree, but '70s movies just have like this different look, like a different vibe. I feel like it's like not as colorful and you know growing up in the 90s everything right everything's extreme extreme like, yeah yeah like if i'm watching the matrix like <laughs> why like why would i want to watch this like there's no no one wears sunglasses in planet of the apes no one has right. a trench coat so it's like i don't <laughs> i'm not gonna want to i don't care about it you know um, although they but, should all be wearing sunglasses yes yeah. yes uh looking like when i was thinking about it it's like a lot of those movies that i would watch and i would fall in love with them like i remember watching like red dawn like because yep. i it was just it was just on and i just got sucked into it and then i loved it and i watch that all the time now same with like uh like uh dawn of the dead that's how i found the first dawn of the dead like mm -hmm. i would have never watched it but it was there and I started and then i couldn't stop so i think there was a couple movies like that so i think if i had actually watched it I probably would have loved it, but I, I just never did. There's, there's kind of like that daunting task of watching an older film nowadays, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. You have to be mentally prepared for the style of filmmaking at the time. As someone who loves like 60s and 70s camp, I'm totally for watching like a weird B movie from that period. 
but I totally understand why it's so hard for other people to kind of just like sit down and even try it. You know, um, there's definitely something off-putting about the look of the film. Oh yeah, the brightness, the coloration, everything. Like even the way that the people speak is is completely out there, man. <laughs> like... <laughs> and and I found that I felt like the sets were a little weird too. Not when they were in the the nature, like in the. When they were shooting, I'm, I don't know. I'm guessing that maybe they shot at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I'm guessing. Um, it's somewhere around California, I think, within the desert. Because I know that there's footage of them like flying by the Fox Studios and then them going to where the end of the film kind of takes place. So that's out in California somewhere. That stuff was all beautiful, but I felt like the sets were <laughs> not necessarily not necessarily ugly or bad, but just like you said, there's some it's they're off putting kind of. It's like a weird yeah. thing. And maybe that was the intention of the film because you know it is this other version of Earth or reality or whatever. So maybe that mm -hmm. was like maybe they were going for that. This post-apocalyptical kind of view of Earth. Kind of like right now. Yeah, it's exactly right, like right now. Okay, so you, you were kind of expecting one extreme or the other, whether or not to be bored or uh, encaptured. So what else were you kind of expecting from it before even hitting play? I, uh, I had, so recently I've been binging a lot of Twilight Zone and I was like, I'm pretty sure this is just going to be like a Twilight Zone yep. episode, nice. but... Nice. movie so i was expecting that kind of and then the other thing that i was really i didn't know what the rating was i didn't know if there was going to be nudity or swearing or like sex or anything like that i was like i don't know what level of adult this is and that's because charlton heston i know that he's like an adult <laughs> guy and like you know so that was another thing that kind of colored my thoughts before I went into it was what's he, like him just his vibe you know yeah and he's definitely got a vibe oh yeah he does <laughs> is he alive that was another question he he is no longer alive yeah no. he he passed away a couple of years ago he did make a uh, small cameo in the tim burton one other just than that keep coming though, back to it i remember he was in uh i don't know if you guys saw bowling for columbine but he michael yes. moore interviewed him in that and that was 2004 so i knew he was at least alive in that yeah yeah, but he in went, this movie, sorry, in this movie, he, it came out in 68, and yep. he seems like he's 45. And <laughs> <laughs> I think Charlton Heston is perpetually over 50 years old. Age 45, yeah. Yeah, oh, totally. Do you, do you guys want me to tell you when he passed away? Yeah, when did he pass away? Yeah, I did some, I did some Google. Uh, <laughs> April 5th of 2008, we just passed the anniversary of his, of his oh, death. Oh, man, R.I.P. Chuck. Good um, time to start this podcast. Yeah, right. Uh, so yeah, Charlton Heston between like, I think Planet of the Apes and Soylent Green are kind of like the two that really spring to mind when it when I think of Charlton Heston. Yeah, for me, it was Soylent Green. And I can't remember the name of whatever the he is legend. Oh, Omega Man. I always forget about that one, actually. Yeah, no, Charlton Heston, I think, to me, kind of has that, that vibe of a Hollywood actor, but he never quite made it past being like a B-movie star. But he definitely thinks of himself as better than that in a bad way. Because, like, personally, to me, like, someone like Green and Planet of the Apes are great, <laughs> and he's great in it. Like, I, I actually really enjoy him in this movie. I really like him in it. I... I think he's not a good actor, uh, but I find him oddly 
charming and terrible in it, but in a good way. I think he's just got such great lines throughout it. Like he he just has so many good like little one-liners. Going into it, you said that this movie is in the zeitgeist. It's like I know so much about this movie from right. all the parodies. Yes. And all the mm-hmm. parodies yep. just hit those big lines like get your damn hands off what hand right. whatever exactly. that one is, the hands yep. off me. <laughs> and uh the madhouse. And the other one that it's funny because what I did was I wrote down I didn't Google anything and before I watched it, I just wrote down a huge list of what do I think Planet of the Apes is? And I right. wrote down all the quotes and one that I wrote down that is so wrong. And it just shows like what <laughs> the person that I think Charlton Heston is. I thought that that you can have my gun when you pry it from my cold, dead hands. I thought that that came from this movie. I- <laughs> That's just his his memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that might only be a bumper sticker i don't know if right. that's a famous line from a movie but i was like i think that's in this movie i wrote <laughs> um but yeah all um, the parodies like it's so good simpsons <laughs> family guy robot chicken the clerk's cartoon like everything yeah. like had all those lines in it and they did some version of one of those lines or all of those lines or they mm-hmm. had a whole some of them even had a whole planet of the ape episode and um the one thing one one parody that i wrote down that i couldn't remember if this is real or if i made this up in my brain did they ever do an in loving color sketch and oh my Jim God. played charlton heston do you either you guys he's been charles bronson but i don't know if he's done charlton heston i don't but that's gonna be something i have to look up. that would be a fantastic sketch though and we need to somehow get the money to jim carrey to do it <laughs> just to do that yeah yeah i'm not seeing anything about that but i wouldn't be shocked if they ever did something along those lines i think the cold dead hands is from a speech that heston gave uh for the nra it's heston it is it heston. is heston <laughs> so i was um, correct on that okay i want to say it's from a speech that he gave to the NRA because he became a or always was was like a really big gun nut which is actually the the main reason we're going to skip a little bit ahead I spoil something very very lightly of the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes the only reason they got him for that was because he played a chimp who was telling the other chimpanzees the importance of guns I completely forgot about that yeah I did not because I remember watching that in the theater and being like, uh, there was a lot in this movie Mm -hmm. that he kind of said, oh, well, this has to be in there then. Oh, definitely. I think a lot of this movie came, he's like, well, if I'm going to be in it, then I want this and this and this. And I felt like all of the apes having guns and shooting guns Mm -hmm. and like him having an attractive love interest, you know, or I mean, almost two attractive love interests Stuart is that oh yes Stuart yeah you forgot all about Stuart everyone forgets about Stuart I feel like he was like I've I've never read the source material but I feel like there probably wasn't a Um, love interest in the source material I'm not 100% sure I haven't read the source material myself either yet that's actually going to be an upcoming episode where we kind of discover that for the all of us kind of discover it for the first time but I've heard very different things about the source material and from my understanding is it's almost not like a post-apocalyptic world that it's almost like a modern society with apes so it's very different from i think the general style of this as for nova and all that i definitely think a lot of that was kind of sprung based on heston the actress that actually was originally playing nova linda harrison was originally supposed to play zira oh wow yeah so she was actually attached to it long before heston and other people were she was actually attached to it back when they were doing like makeup tests and i think it was josh brolin was originally supposed to play taylor could have been a very different film 
say. I have a question. Uh, yes, Joe. My question is, do you think the scene where they strip Charlton Heston completely naked was his idea? Oh, most definitely. I think so. And where the um, the all three of the astronauts are skinny dipping. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think that's all Heston. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that might be in the book, though. I don't know. Yeah. That might be in the book. It's a lot of... Yeah, who knows? Uh, it's a lot, <laughs> a lot of male butts. Um, it's like Troy all like, over again. Really weirded out by the one scene where all three astronauts are naked and they all just kind of look down for a minute. Dude, yeah. And, no, but Charleston Heston is standing. <laughs> He's standing, and then they all kneel. Like, But they all kneel one after another. It's really weird. The other two kneel first, and he's right. still standing, and then he kneels down. <laughs> and I was like, is this a joke, or did they, like, I, yeah, that was, that I was. I think that that's just something that aged very poorly. <laughs> kind of going into it then, you start watching the film, and we kind of start with Heston giving his whole monologue about the sense of the series of, you know, he's he thinks that he's 700 years in the future by this point, or that they're going to be 700 years in the future. And he's stating, you know, like, you know, are we still having war with our brother? Do we keep our neighbor's children from starving and all this stuff? And he's going on this whole philosophical hike and then goes into the cryo frozen chamber. Um, mm -hmm. What are you, what are your kind of thoughts on, on that at the beginning, Joey has never seen this before. I like that he was smoking on a spaceship. I love that he's smoking <laughs> on a spaceship. I actually have Definitely a Definitely his choice. Yes. <laughs> In the beginning, I made a note because I was making notes while watching. I was like, oh, wow, 700 years. That's insane to me. And that, that felt like kind of of the time science fiction where they just did these huge time gaps and they expect that like society is still going to be somewhat the way it was in the 60s or the 50s 400 years later and i've always think that that's like really far-fetched and like kind of right. funny so at first i was like wow 700 years and then it ended up being 2000 years and yep. the whole time from the beginning on i was very confused about the actual amount of time that has passed i was like is it 700 is it 2000 and then one of the apes at one point said 1200 and i could not grasp yeah, maybe I, I missed something. I am with you, Joey. I think you're right with that. I think there's inconsistencies as to how far into the future this is. And I think that they kind of play that up because I don't think we're really supposed to know. Also, it doesn't make sense for the reveal as to where things are located either. Mountains. Yeah, it, none of it really kind of adds up. They go into it Not a little bit further into the second film, but we'll we'll talk about that later um so um <laughs> okay so we're at the intro we essentially we have our, our main character taylor and three other pilots we've got stewart we've got landon and we've got uh dodger always forget about dodger movie set in 1968 we have four astronauts we have a lady we have a black guy we have a guy that looks like sean connery and <laughs> we have charlton heston smoking <laughs> Already, I'm loving the future that they've set up because they're already like kind of in the future, too, because they mention that Landon uh, was the best of the class of 71 or something like that. I think the Earth time is 3978 when they when he realizes that it's 2000 years ahead. So they're at least 1978. So they're at least 10 years into the future in which the film was filmed at. So if the movie was 1968, they're saying they're 10 years in the future is when we can build a spaceship that can go that far. Awesome. <laughs> so, so. See, see, that adds to my thing of like science fiction used to do this thing. It's like, okay, well, in 10 years, we'll be able to build a spaceship right. that go anywhere. But in 700 years, we're still going to be using phones and driving. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, right. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> the only difference is that uh, the sidewalks will move us. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> transportation tubes, guys. Transportation tubes. Right. Exactly. Let's, you know. <laughs> I'm actually really curious as to uh, what you kind of felt like at, at the first reveal of the apes, because you kind of have this this moment where you think that the apes are kind of watching over the the spacemen as like they're going through the canyon and you kind of see these things in the background and then you get up to the scarecrows. You're kind of expecting apes right there, but they yeah. kind of throw you for a loop, which I think is really clever. So what is your thought when when the apes actually first do show up? I love that part. I love the scarecrows. They actually kind of like I was kind of what the hell is that uh yeah i thought that was really cool like i said i loved all of the um the landscapes and where they were filming and stuff it looked great and the mm -hmm. camera work was like really cool it almost had like a 2001 space odyssey vibe the way they were like shooting a lot of that stuff at first i th i wrote down oh ripping off 2001 but then i looked at this like oh no actually this came out before 2001 <laughs> yeah. um, i really liked that part and then when they're skinny dipping and you're seeing them kind of grabbing at their clothes and stuff that felt very much like a twilight zone episode where you're just seeing hands reach over a rock and grab clothes and they're right. kind of there's kind of these quick camera angles of uh the astronauts like turning their heads and like what's uh, what's happening what's going on and uh, i thought all that was really cool it definitely kind of builds up to it because you know the name of the film so by that point like you know that they're <laughs> yeah. gonna show up like right but it's the question of when and how well what about all like the stuff they do at the beginning there where landon and uh taylor are talking and like taylor is just like setting up this whole thing of what kind of person landon is and also something we didn't even mention from the beginning the insane laughter from charlton heston while landon's playing an american flag kind of going back to his original during the space shuttle he's clearly already gone kind of stir crazy by this point talking about how man is terrible and all this stuff and by the time they find Stuart dead at the very beginning and they and they land and Landon is planting the flag almost in remembrance for Stuart he he kind of gives off this crazy man laugh I think his hope in humanity has already been crushed by this point and he just knows that this is all trivial at this point no, that's a uh, very good take I like it there, there's take, a line that take. he says to Landon about you know like being in the future and everything he's like I wrote this down because it's just such a good line you got what you wanted tiger how does it taste <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is one of the best lines I've ever heard in any movie ever. <laughs> so like he, he's he's already kind of gotten that cabin fever element to him. And when we finally get up to the apes themselves, it kind of snaps him out of it, I think. But up until this point, he's just a complete jackass. Oh, 100 percent. And a, like a real jerk. There you but, go, uh, Landon. You got what you wanted. Yeah. Immortality. Joey, so we've got the and, and Joe, we've got these like weird sticks coming out of the grass. And then we've got people on horses. But are they people on horses? It, they, they just do so much to kind of build up this reveal of the apes. And then finally, you see an ape on a horseback with a gun which I think is just very iconic of the series. And this series has been sticking with that pretty much ever since. Uh, even to the newer ones, I think all the newer ones had posters of the main ape on a horse with a gun. That's kind of sums up, I think, the films in general. <laughs> I think the only one that didn't have that as the main poster was Rise of the Planet of the Apes with uh, Franco. Uh, yeah. That was just them like uprising. But then like the second of that trilogy and the third yeah. all on horseback. 
whole all on horse. Dodger gets shot in the back, Landon we lose, and Taylor is now taken to the city of the apes. Uh, what are your thoughts on the city, like the landscape? Because I know Joey, you were saying how you really liked the the landscapes, but what do you what are your thoughts on the on the set of the city? Yeah, I I touched on a little bit before. I just felt like it was uh it was like so it was too dumbed down, and I mm-hmm. couldn't. It was hard to get a feel for, like you were saying about the book, it's a little bit more of a society. It's like hard to get a, it was hard to get a grip on like, is this, are these, where are these apes at evolutional, like in in their evolution? Because you would almost think if there's, they're so smart and they're so well-spoken and they have like Mm -hmm. these courts of law and scientists and doctors and they're doing tests and stuff, but then they're like living in these like Flintstone-esque huts. You know what I mean? Like, I was almost expecting like like uh, like a dinosaur to be a garbage disposal or something like it was like <laughs> it, it had that kind of vibe to it where they were well, like using rocks as tools right. but also brain surgery. So I think that they're at a point where they are almost kind of at like almost coming to a dark age of times because it's clearly that the there's a class system. And they talk about that very briefly, and they talk about how the class system doesn't exist anymore, but it definitely does still exist, that the orangutans are at the top, the gorillas are the uh, the warriors and the, the muscle, and that the chimpanzees are at the bottom of the totem pole. They're essentially like the middle class. Um, so there's definitely like a societal... Uh, fight going on and by having both the ministry of science as well as their church be one in the same i think kind of shows that they've stunted their growth at that point so essentially like zeus and the rest of the orangutans don't want to evolve further i think there's that moment where taylor folds up the paper to show paper airplane zeus knows exactly what that is oh yeah um And I think that they kind of have a stronghold over why that society is not going further in technology. was a little bit inconsistent with that, though, because it's like flight seemed like so out of reach to them. Like Mm -hmm. they were like, no one can fly. Nothing can fly. But then they had these very high level courtrooms with like laws and stuff. So it just didn't. I don't know. I I felt like there was just an inconsistency, I guess, between. Oh, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, to me, it harkens to like olden day London, right? Like around the time, like when you when you think of a story of like Jack the Ripper and Sherlock Holmes, like the way their science was was laid out and how God and all that stuff was still a huge thing. Um, Now, Dr. Zayas, on the other hand, he remembers and has seen humans from years like seeing the stuff from humans years past and he's like no 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 they destroyed their society i know all this crap i'm going to make sure that nobody else knows about the dangers of these of these men so like that it, it makes sense in that way that they they're going through their own sort of you know renaissance or victorian london or any of that you know they're gonna eventually and this is my hot takes on the next movies that i've never seen <laughs> um, they're they're going to evolve into further <laughs> further states of technology and eventually you know go to that next stage of industrialism. It, yeah, it'll definitely take a turn, Joe. <laughs> Did they? Because I don't know. I don't. I don't know this. Did they have electricity? I don't think they did. They did not. They didn't. There was there was like they had candles everywhere. and stuff. Yeah. Wait, that they did, I would have said sure. Like, it, I don't think they. <laughs> I, I, I don't, 
I don't think that, but I don't know. Maybe they did fine because I guess like what, like not even a hundred years ago, we thought we could cure almost anything by putting a leech on your body. Pretty much, yeah. Wait, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, we've got a lot to talk about. <laughs> maybe they did. Maybe they did a perfect job. You know, I don't. Maybe. Yeah, no, it's definitely something interesting that brought up, and I've never really kind of thought of that. I just kind of assumed that's their society. Well, most of the time, when you watch a sci-fi movie that you know doesn't change like the, the like humanity to apes or to a different species like you go you go into the future and what do you see right you see like humans are like oh yeah we're we're evolving all the way up to this point of having some technology to be able to time travel or we can now teleport we, you know so like these apes had to evolve from you know where we had them in cages to they're they're starting to get to that evolutionary state to like get to where humans would be now they're still in their early stages of um society essentially yeah um yeah but so they have guns <laughs> yeah but they have guns um so kind of going into that though let's kind of talk about the apes themselves um i think the makeup totally holds up today they they did such a good job i i was watching like the behind the scenes footage of um roddy mcdowell was the actor that played cornelius i love roddy mcdowell i will pretty Literally much watch him in anything he just to watch him transform from like just a human into an ape is absolutely insane. And the level of detail that they put into it, you can definitely tell that like the three main apes of Zira, Cornelius and Zaius, they definitely have a different style of makeup. Whereas the other apes, they're maybe kind of just kind of shoved on masks um, <laughs> for like the larger shots, but uh, it's so well done of how they, they interact. Um, can I uh, yeah. can I bring up some research I did about Roddy McDowell actually in regards to this it. movie? Yeah. Um, he actually recommended to the people in makeup that they should frequently add ticks, blinks, and assorted facial gestures to add a sense of realism and keep the makeup from appearing mask-like. Mm. That's awesome. <laughs> he is the entire movie. Whenever he shows up, I find myself just watching his face more than anything else. He is doing more facial work than any other actor in that movie because like he's constantly blinking and huffing his mouth and there's just so much more going on to him, which Joey, I know you're not as familiar with the rest of the series. He is pretty much the main actor of Planet of the Apes. He's not in the second one but he is in the third, fourth, and fifth one playing multiple characters because it really was his series. But they do go further into Cornelius and Zero later in the series as well. And he is just such a good actor in those. I don't know. Have you ever seen, uh, Joe, because I know that you're more of a fan of like, uh, we were talking about like 80s uh, horror and stuff like that. You ever see Fright Night? Yes. He's the host of Fright Night. Yeah. So that kind of gives you a better idea of, of who he is. Uh, yeah. That is also like one of my favorites. Zero was great, too. Like, She's I thought very that, good. And the level, like maybe not so much like physically being an ape, kind of being an ape trying to like care about a human. I thought that she did like a great job. Like I just I really I enjoyed yeah, I I think those two characters, especially this one, this one is more of Zero's film, I think, than anything. They really kind of come across as three-dimensional in what is kind of a, a, a two-dimensional kind of story of, you know, just like, oh, here's a planet of apes. But like, no, these are actual characters that have a history and also have a future together and are 
deciding whether or not to put their entire lives and careers at jeopardy just to do what they believe in. They don't fit with Charlton Heston, but they fit alongside him. Does that make sense? Um, I mean, her her level of emotion alone is it's something to behold when you watch it. And especially like, you know, watching it through through new eyes. Right. It's like mm-hmm. the level of emotion she can get out of you know while wearing like a full makeup mask and like five pounds really yeah yeah, five pounds of makeup and be able to show all of that and show the caring that she does for her uh not for her experiments but essentially she's like uh i can't remember her name now oh my god jane goodall thank you yes she's like jane goodall one in the same (laughs) yep (laughs) i was gonna say because we're talking about acting do you know did the voice act did they do the voice did they record that later or were they actually were they just that's, doing the acting and question. doing um, lines later because it matches up perfectly obviously it's yeah. easier to match up a mask than it would be to right human lips um and um, i feel like charlton heston is definitely doing his dialogue live but i couldn't tell yeah i'm i'm actually not 100 percent sure on that it's definitely all of their voices um i i definitely know that uh i want to say for the most part it was probably filmed on set and they probably just you know redubbed certain things that they couldn't hear because there's definitely a there's definitely a few heston lines that are dubbed over that you can kind of tell but i think that's also just kind of the era of film where they kind of did that a lot more speaking of actors and actresses within the film what are your thoughts on nova Nova is his love interest. Nova is his love interest that he names. Yes. Like he just straight up just goes to her and says, you're Nova. Well, what else is funny is that sometimes he calls her Nova and then sometimes he says the woman. I know. Like I, he was refers- just terrible. Also, well, Heston's choices. But also like there, there's a scene where he's laughing and then she laughs and then he goes, I taught you to smile. And I'm like, no, man. Like, <laughs> what was way more disturbing than that was when they separated them yeah. and he went on this rant about all the sex he had on yep. her and then he starts talking about Stuart and how she was the new Eve and we were he said we were hot and eager to make her the new Eve or something along those lines and I was like yeah. what is happening and I just felt like that was one of those Charlton Heston things where I was like well I want this and I feel like he took the script and like just wrote some stuff in and everybody's like ah okay um, yeah, I can totally see that because like Heston, the character of Taylor, though, is so macho man masculine, but doesn't want to be kind of thing. Like he talks about how war is evil and, you know, me- men should be there- there's got to be something better out there. But then he's everything that he complains about when he's complaining about how, like, you know, you let people starve or, you know, you you just fight and do all this stuff. That's all he's doing. Like he is essentially complaining about himself as a human. And then as soon as the trial comes forward and Zaius kind of brings forth, you know, all the things against humans, he essentially Zaius is essentially almost saying everything that Taylor was saying at the beginning of the film back at him. And so and I think that's kind of that realization of like, oh, man, yeah, you're right. Uh, Humans are kind of terrible. But then taylor instead of getting that realization he just pretty much tries to defend man he's essentially defending against his entire argument at the beginning of the movie and he's failing at it so i thought failing miserably yeah very miserably (laughs) we do find out what happened to both dodger and landon at this point within the film oh actually we found out what happened to dodger much earlier he was shot in the back of the head he gets shot in the back of the head right 
and then gets shot yeah, in the back of the head stuffed. again. So he gets oh, yeah. Shot. yeah, he does get shot twice. And then Landon, uh, we realize, is lobotomized by Zayas to prevent the truth from coming out. I which... thought that scene was pretty excellent. I'm not going to yes. lie. <laughs> no, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> really kind of shows the, the effort in which Zayas has kind of gone to to uh, keep um, the history of their planet uh, hidden. Then essentially Zayas is pretty much using Taylor. Like this is what we kind of find out in that long kind of confrontation between the two in Zayas's study is that uh, he pretty much was just using Taylor to get Zira and Cornelius outed by, by the trial. He's, he's working so many different angles at this point, which I absolutely love. Like he's such a jerk, but you can see why he's doing it. I just thought that that was really interesting how he pretty much killed two birds with one stone by pretty much getting rid of Taylor and outing Zira and Cornelius all in one. He's pretty smart. That's why he's a doctor. That's true. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We can kind of skip ahead then to when Taylor kind of escapes, brings Nova with him, brings everything. Then we're introduced to Lucius, who is Zira's nephew, who always kind of bothered me. Uh, I don't know why. I just kind of felt like he was kind of tacked on for no reason, just to kind of talk about youth culture. Anyone oh, I agree that? with you. <laughs> I agree too, because then at the end, like Carlton Essen says, like, oh, back where I'm from, only people your age have beards. And he says something about fads. I Yeah. It, it was just, it was very tacked on, I felt, for like, I don't no participate in any fads, man. Even his voice, like, I don't know who played him, but it just felt like a little like, Burt Ward-ish kind of to me almost <laughs> like it felt like like they wanted like a young cool sidekick thing or I don't know I or wish, I it, wish was it was Burt Ward, Ward. <laughs> I would be down for that um Maximus so, right yeah we get to the forbidden zone now where uh Cornelius kind of shows Dr. Zayas and them what he discovered years ago and we have the revelation of the doll yes how does that doll still work right that's a great question yeah okay this has bothered me the the doll says mama it does is it kind of like yes mama no it just goes yeah no it says mama because then heston says uh taylor says to to zayas he's like why would an ape make a uh a human doll that says mama and that's the whole reveal that it was humans that had been there and that they were far more advanced technology wise uh than the apes so is it like one of those like do you know like those like weird little like cow toys it's like a can and like you turn it oh, over and it goes, it yeah. yeah like Murr. is it like that <laughs> this is how much i've thought about this doll <laughs> that i'm like it's clearly not battery operated but maybe there's a maybe mechanism it's, in it it's just maybe a squeaker it's... it's just a squeaker and <laughs> but they got That's it just... to say mama <laughs> it's a maybe it's solar it's a solar doll. <laughs> it's solar powered, and there was just enough light coming in from the cave, so it like gotcha. It just charged. It charged up just enough for it to work. Gotcha. <laughs> now this is the part of the podcast where we specifically talk about just uh, baby doll toys. So I hope okay, everyone cool. who's yeah, listening at home great. is ready. Cool. Okay, Good. let's talk about it. Betsy Wetsy. Uh, I don't understand <laughs> why they would sell a doll that would wet itself constantly. Discuss. All right. So with okay. that, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we we get the doll. We get the reveal that humans were once there. At I have this a point, question. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So before they get to the cave and they're in yeah. the forbidden zone and they mm-hmm. pass, there's like a big river. Yeah. And 
he says, where's that go or what's that or something. If at the end we see the Statue of Liberty, so I'm uh -huh. guessing we're in New York, right? Uh -huh. Would that be the Hudson River? That's where I my think, mind went. I think right away. so. Because you know? <laughs> I think so, because like that's always been like one of the biggest problems to me. And like I said, they, they do kind of go into it a little bit in Beneath the Planet of the Apes. We do see more of New York in Beneath the Planet okay. of the Apes. It's still in no way adds up to where the locations should be. Can I just reveal <laughs> something really quick? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> After all of this time, and knowing like what the ending is, obviously, like everybody knows what the ending of Planet, even if you've never seen the movie before. That's what know. I was going to ask. Exactly. Um, yeah. exactly. <laughs> After all this time, I didn't even put any thought into him. Like, it's a sci-fi movie. That was it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, like, for me, knowing yeah. the ending, and yes. pretty much the whole episode, the whole movie, I'm waiting for the ending. So I'm just like, mm -hmm. I'm I'm guessing like when they go into the cave, there's going to be like, I don't know, a business, like a skyscraper, like right. some like something. Right. And I'm like looking for like, this is New York City, right? Like this can't be New York City. So I was just looking at that the whole time. So when they see that, I was like, oh, that must be the Hudson River, I guess. I don't. So yeah, I couldn't stop thinking about that. I wonder if it's something that they were even thinking about. The book has a very different ending where it doesn't have that reveal. I'm curious if they just tried to keep it as vague as possible until the ending comes about. You know, if they weren't even really thinking about that, they're just like, oh, and here's the Statue of Liberty. Because it really throws you for a loop if you don't know what you're expecting. Unfortunately, yeah. in the world that we live in today, I think everyone's kind of expecting that. If you have the Blu-ray or the DVD, the Statue of Liberty is featured on the the menu the intro menu right so i'm right. like well that kind of ruins Jeez. it for if anyone's never you know seen it before like that that kind of sucks so i don't know if they were just trying to keep it uh, intentionally vague up until that point like all good twilight zone episodes you kind of keep it vague until the final the reveal and sometimes they don't really make sense um <laughs> it's just there <laughs> like it it could have made sense in in a way of like Oh, well, that's the Forbidden Zone. You don't go into the Forbidden Zone. But then also, maybe in the Forbidden Zone, there's skyscrapers and roads and um, bars you, or something like that. You start to see more of that in the later films. There's a reason why the second film is called Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Uh, yeah. Um, a lot of that is underground. Okay. So, yeah, because I mean, like 2,000 years in the future, a lot of stuff like just won't even be there anymore. It just it won't right. exist. I think it's I think you see Grand Central in the second film. Wow. And that's all underground. So they, they do kind of start going into that. But in this film, it definitely doesn't add up, especially when you first kind of start seeing the signs. What do you think of the reveal of the Statue of Liberty? I, I think that that reveal is so well shot. Like of the crown, because it's like yeah, at first, I, like if you don't know what it is, it, it it slowly reveals itself to you, and I think it's just so well done. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was cool. You were saying something that made me rethink the ending a little bit mm -hmm. because Charlton Heston's character is such such like kind of an ass the whole time. Yep, and he's kind of the worst of humanity in in mm -hmm. ways, right? So when he sees it. And he starts hitting the ground and he says, like, whatever he says, you did it, you destroyed it or you something. Maniacs, you blew it up. Damn you. Damn yeah. you. All hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice, Andrew. I, it does. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't hit that hard because it's like, do you I think that maybe he's kind of yelling at himself, too. Oh, OK. Mm. All right. I, I always kind of got that, that one. from it. What's that? 
I might fight you on that one. I kind of agree with with Joey on this one, just because throughout like the whole beginning, he's always like, "Humanity is terrible. We're all evil, and we suck, and we're terrible." And da 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 da. And then he like he's he's given up on humanity. He even said it. He gave up on humanity, right? Right. Um. So the fact of caring about the Statue of Liberty being destroyed does not hit that much at home to me. Well, I think it's because it's he's still at the revelation that it's he's on earth like up to that point though he still doesn't think he's on earth he still thinks that there was a society of humans before these apes he still hasn't made the connection that this is earth still so he's just they talk about it they say maybe it was war maybe it was a plague maybe it was all these other things he's just kind of talking about how yeah you guys clearly were not the original owners here because man is so much better than you because he's a jerk right and then that reveal he kind of i think that's him kind of shouting at himself at at the most part Mm. just being kind of upset with himself and upset with humanity again it's definitely a great ending whether or not it holds up i'm i'm curious joey do you think that that holds up within the rest of the film kind of knowing that ending i was trying to think of it in a way of like if i'm seeing this in the theater for the first time Mm -hmm. and how shocking like how crazy that would be would be pretty cool i guess my question too though was like they've established that humans used to live there i was wondering would anyone watching it be like oh well humans maybe he is on earth like i was thinking like if somebody came into this like didn't see the first five minutes where there's a spaceship crashes into the planet right then you would you could almost think it's a time traveler or something or he was in a coma or something so it's like i i don't know i guess i thought it was cool assuming that you didn't know and that you were like shocked by it but i could Mm -hmm. also see where somebody might not be shocked by it you know i don't know i mean all like people will tell you, like, oh, I knew that Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. And, and, and I'm right, always at like, the end of Die Hard 2. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Spoiler alert, guys. Jeez. <laughs> Years later. But that's like a little bit more of a mystery, whereas this is kind of like, no, there's humans on this planet, you know? They, they make mention of it too, because like when Hessen foresees the, when Taylor foresees the, uh, the humans, he's like, oh, we'll be ruling this planet in, in a few weeks. He's like, yeah, this is the best I got. Another creepy uh, line. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> kind of going into towards the end of the film, I kind of want to talk about 29th Scroll, which I think oh, yeah. is so well done, uh, which is Zayas essentially reading a hidden scroll. And it, it definitely puts uh, Zira and Cornelius in a weird position because they now kind of realize what Zayas was doing this entire time. So he reads the scroll and it says, Beware the Beast Man. For he is the devil's pawn, alone among God's primates. He kills for sport, for lust, for greed. Yea, he will murder his brother to possess his brother's lands. Let him not breed in great numbers, for he will make a desert of his home and yours. Shun him, drive him back into his jungle lair, for he is the harbinger of death. If that's not a Rod Serling line, I don't know what is. Like that is the most Twilight Zoney line I think of the entire film. So also <laughs> I, just the line delivery alone. Is oh yeah, phenomenal. yeah, it was great. It was great. So I, like I said, I went into this knowing very little, and I was like, oh, I think this is just going to be like a Twilight Zone episode in a movie. Mm-hmm. And when I was done, the first thing I did was I pulled up the wiki, and I had no idea that Rod Serling wrote this. I thought that was awesome. I was like, oh, well, that makes all the sense in the world. And right. things like that line 
stuck out and I saw other things where I was like, oh, well, that's probably, that seemed like him. That seemed like him. Cause you know, I mean, he wrote most of the, like, like Good. I said, I've been yeah. kind, I've kind of been binging Twilight Zone recently. And I'm always like, which ones did he write? Cause those are the ones I want to watch. Cause those are the best ones. And it, it definitely has that vibe and that feel like I, I find it kind of hard to sell a lot of people on Planet of the Apes nowadays. I, I essentially go back to the Rod Serling uh, thing where I'm like, well, do you like the Twilight Zone? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, it's like a long episode of the Twilight Zone. That That's kind of the best way to sell this to, I think, a modern society. You know how people will take like Twin Peaks and they'll make, they'll like cut out all the quote unquote boring or garbage parts or whatever. Um, yeah, I've seen stuff like that. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's ever done that with this movie <laughs> to kind of make it like a, almost like episode like TV episode length to just right. kind of like cut cut the fat and be like here because it is good it's really good it has a lot of good stuff in it but it is like a long Twilight Zone episode and yeah. I wonder if we're just like let's make it a Twilight Zone episode you know what I mean yeah that's interesting I I don't know if anyone's ever done that I'd, I'd be interested to watch it though see how they cut it down what they cut I huh. bet there's something on YouTube oh I'm people, sure of people it. do this all the time. Yeah, there, there's like a 10 minute version of the film on the Blu-ray and it kind of like it kind of does what you're saying, but it's it's like they have people's lines dubbed over it as it just kind of flies through it real quick. I think it was for like an exposition uh, or an exhibit at like mm-hmm. uh, at a museum at one point. I don't really remember where this was from, but it was like a 10 minute version of the film. But I think without the knowledge of the rest of the film, you wouldn't get it, you know, in those 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious if someone has done something longer form than that. That's actually really cool. We're kind of at the end here of, of the first film. Joey, I just was curious. It's like, do you have any um, like lingering thoughts a- after the ends? You're still kind of yeah. questioning or yeah. Okay. So like I said, I did see the Franco one. There's I a went, lot of references to the, the, this film in the Franco one. I don't know yeah. how many you remember or anything like that, but it's a madhouse is in the Franco one. They call, uh, um caesar's mother i think they call her bright eyes so there's there's like tons of different stuff like he's holding a little statue of liberty toy in the new one so yeah they they do a lot of stuff like that i wouldn't have gotten those at the time but what i did catch or maybe someone pointed out to me was like you do see the uh spaceship go yes into space and then later on you see like a news report that says like they're lost or they're missing or whatever Yep. Um, and I, I know I knew that they like really made a point to every ape had a name, and it was like a big deal their names and stuff. Yes. But I don't remember those names. Are those apes from that movie? Because that's a prequel to this. Yes. So are those supposed to be the same apes as this? And that's no. what I kept thinking the whole time. And then that also threw off the whole. 700 gotcha. years 2000 years so i was like confused they are because they're similar not, names they are similar names i think in that film caesar's mother is maybe cornelia which okay. i think is a reference to cornelius caesar without trying to spoil this for any of our watchers or anything like that that is a character from later films in the okay. series if it's the same caesar i don't know i think the new films are kind of their own timeline but they definitely borrow heavily from the the last couple of films in the original franchise that's what i was gonna say i yeah I don't think that this is going that these new ones like yeah they, they may be a prequel 
to what would be the future of everything. Right. Um, but I, I don't think it connects in any way other than like having like these awesome homages to. Right. To well, the it, they source. definitely they hit. It's weird, Joe. They they hit weird points where they kind of feel like they're remakes of Battle and Conquest, which are the last <laughs> two. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I still got to see those. I know. I'm just <laughs> saying, though, they kind of hit moments where I'm like, well, they, they kind of hit the pacing of those ones a lot more. Hmm. So I think it's kind of interesting where they get their ideas from in the new films. But I think for the most part, you're both right. It's mostly just sly nods to the original. OK, so here's another question. then: The Mark Wahlberg one. Oh, oh no. God! Remake is a re. <laughs> That's a remake. Yes, that That's is a remake a yes. of the nineteen sixty eight version, where for some reason humans in that one could talk still, and I never really understood that. It really kind of destroyed the whole what made Taylor different right. from the rest. I can't of the wait. To, I can't wait to rewatch. I am this one. so afraid. I really can't I, wait to rewatch. I'm this. so afraid. I remember the. I remember the makeup is great and some of the acting is really good like tim roth is really good and uh what's his face he's a big fat liar that guy uh giamatti, giamatti. thank you paul giamatti <laughs> is really good michael Clark um, duncan paul giamatti like, yeah they had so some good star power in there. yeah it's just not a good movie so yeah. i i told a friend of mine i, I was going to be doing this uh-huh. and i was like yeah i'm gonna watch one of the apes i've never seen he's like oh you should watch the mark Wahlberg one i was like oh, oh i think they're I think they're going in order. He's like, that one's cool. Mark Wahlberg puts a monkey in it. And I was like, okay. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so is that a thing? This, I don't want to uh, I don't remember that. I don't um, remember that at there's all. There's definitely a... I don't even know if she's called Zira in that film. Okay, we're totally going to make out now, all right? Okay. <laughs> uh, gonna... <laughs> That's another thing. Do you think Charlton Heston was like, I ain't doing this movie unless I get to make out with a monkey at the end? Oh, that yeah. Was the note. I think that, that was a def- note I made. <laughs> <laughs> That's my note. That's, That's my note. I know that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Joe, do you want to take that? <laughs> yeah, I really do. I honestly thought that Taylor and Zira, that was it. There was going to be some kind of weird love triangle. And that was what was going to happen. And that was going to be like, at the end, it was going to be them too. Because something was going to happen to Cornelius. And I was like, yeah, this is it. This is something's going to happen. <laughs> um, because it's Charlton Heston. He's like, look at me. I need to make out with a monkey. And he's just going to be like really into it. But it didn't happen that way. And I think I'm a little upset. But you're just, but just so a tiny damn bit. ugly. Yep. I, you know what? I was just thinking about that quote. I'd like yeah. to give you a kiss goodbye, doctor. <laughs> I don't remember that in the Mark Wahlberg one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that's all he said. And I was like, all right, well, I'm trying not to learn what anything other, about What other movies? movies does your friend into? <laughs> <laughs> all the Transformers movies, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, man, makes out with a robot. Um, I think we've pretty much kind of wrapped up like the first film in total. Joey, I got a, I got a question for you. Would you go back and watch more of these? Uh, Would you travel back to the planet of the apes i think i want to watch the second one because you said that they show more new york city and that sounds interesting to me okay I think what i'm more likely to watch is are the new three the new three are very good uh and i i will stand by them joe knows my opinion on beneath the planet of the apes um, yes i do i would say if you don't like the second one if at the end of it you're just like oh that kind of sucked give the third one a shot okay <laughs> how many are there there's, okay, there's five of the original five. so there's five and then we have the remake and then we have the new three yeah before i watched before i knew anything i guessed that four movies okay a show 
a cartoon, a Marvel comic series. Okay. Is that correct? I think all that's correct, right, oh, yeah, Joe? Yeah, I think you hit every single one of those. You like, yeah, you, you guessed that? I, <laughs> I guessed four movies, and I was pretty sure there was a TV show. And the reason why I was pretty sure there was a TV show, because I think I heard a story once mm-hmm. about someone on the TV show like pretty much like like an extra that was an ape was wearing like borderline like Halloween looking mask and it was like it's pretty standout as like far as like oh that's great bad I don't know if, maybe <laughs> it was one of the movies I just remember hearing a story and I want to say that I remember it being on the TV show cartoon I don't know why I remembered that I just I think there was a cartoon there and was then, uh, yeah there was a cartoon in the seventies called Return to the Planet of the Apes okay and then the Marvel comic I just remember seeing like old issues. They reminded me of like very similar, like the old Star Wars comics. That right, yep, and like Godzilla kind of. They don't really match the source material. Yes, I never read any of them. I just remember them like existing and being around. And another thing I wrote down. Let me know if either of you guys know about this. I might have made this up in my brain. Were the first Star Wars toys? just repainted planet of the apes toys is that a thing that i heard i remember watching the toys that made us on netflix and i actually believe that that is an accurate statement i i feel like i have to rewatch the episode again about the star wars toys but i'm pretty sure like the original molds came from planet of the apes toys that sounds really familiar yeah i think it's like star wars came out and it was such a hit they were like oh we got to get toys out there and they just were like we'll just use these and they just took planet of the apes so i yeah that was another one of the notes i made was like i think this might be a thing i don't know (laughs) to think back to like of this as a franchise of 1968 i can't think of any other film series that was a franchise like this where they had five movies and a cartoon show well before star wars that to me is just kind of insane like star trek maybe but even star trek didn't have movies until after star wars i was maybe zorro okay yeah i don't know i couldn't like if they were all like kind of zorro might have been one of those things where like everybody made a zorro movie I don't know if it was like Zorro, right. Return of Zorro, Beneath the Zorro. Right, like Tarzan as well. I really think like this was like the first major Hollywood sci-fi franchise. Yeah. Which is just kind of insane to think about because whenever you hear about Planet of the Apes, it's kind of usually just a joke. But the new ones were pretty well respected, I thought, as they came out. I had that as a question. I was like, were they received well? And then also, was the Mark Wahlberg received well? Did people like that or was that like a flop? I don't think the Mark Wahlberg one was received well, but the new ones definitely were. I, I mean, think I'm the new consistent- ones doing research so I've, uh, i think i've I got, I say I think like, got the answer rotten tomatoes and stuff on the new ones are really high so and i remember going to all of those and just being like these were really good yeah like war for the planet of the apes which was the final one has a 94 percent fresh on rotten tomatoes oh wow so like people really liked the new ones but and they did really well at the box office i'm just kind of surprised at how fast people kind of forgot about them yeah they were they were in and out it seemed like but they're they're definitely good i liked the first one a lot and i liked the second one a lot i have to go back and rewatch the third one again but i think we're at that point where technology is just good enough and you also have like someone like andy circus playing the main character it definitely kind of adds to that believability of the apes again kind of was the was the mark one was that special effects or was that no that was all all uh, all makeup classic makeup that's why it looks so good and it holds up well in those regards everything else though about that movie is god awful (laughs) so i'll tell you right now the tim burton planet of the apes 
Yeah. Has a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. But Battle for the Planet of the Apes has a 36%. That's the final of the original five. Pretty insane. And Beneath has a 38. So it's beating Beneath and it's beating Battle by by a, a small margin. But Quick it is, question. It is there. Yeah. Thank you. What's uh, Escape from Planet of the Apes at? That, that's that personally is... my favorite outside of the original. 79. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Conquest has a fifth. Okay, that's good. I like Conquest. We'll, we'll get there. Um, we'll get, we'll, but, we'll, uh, Andrew, yeah, would so, you say yeah. that the the later movies hold up as well as far as the makeup and the um, good question? Effect, like, um, they definitely start to cheap out, right? The, because I'm assuming they made less money and then their budgets became less and less. Yeah, by by the last one, they definitely don't look as well. By the fourth one, they don't look as well. But Roddy McDowell's character in those films, they still look fine. It's all the other apes don't look that. Right. <laughs> but the third one, which I'll go on record right now, and I'm very excited for when we get to that episode. I think it's just as good as the first movie. Maybe has I think they're using the same makeup by the third one still so high praise and does, very high praise yeah. <laughs> does charlton heston return charlton heston does make another appearance i will say that we kind of giving if no one's ever seen the second film before we'll at least kind of give like a preview of the film and this is also a preview for joe we're going to travel back to the planet of the apes next week with beneath the planet of the apes and with that uh we will follow another astronaut who is searching for taylor oh, oh. okay is it mark Wahlberg? It is <laughs> oh, okay. So we will it find someone monkey. that is trying to find out where Taylor is. And it's not the monkey that Mark Wahlberg. Definitely not. <laughs> All right. Uh, so We've with now that, dropped an F-bomb twice. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we should wrap it up. Any final thoughts on the original Planet of the Apes from either of you? I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. Uh, I don't know that I would have ever watched it if not for this. Cool. I don't know that I'm glad that I watched it, but <laughs> I, I'm not mad. that I, I'm not upset that I watched it. Gotcha. Um, Joe, um, any thoughts on this or any uh, worries going forward? Uh, well, look, I, I really love the first one. Um, I think it's fantastic. Um totally holds up and i love old movies too and no real worries i am excited to potentially like mystery science theater the hell out of the second one because that's most likely what will happen based on your review i feel yeah. like i'm going to mystery science theater the hell out of that so i'm very i'm excited i'm i'm just like really pumped to to get into this i was a little scared at first when i bought the collection on voodoo that said nine films i was like <laughs> that's that's a lot that's a lot of apes but okay, we can we we can do this thing. I got yeah. this. We're I'm in. We, I'm all in. <laughs> we haven't even scratched the surface yet, bud. So with that, Joey, thank you so much for being on our first episode. We'd love to have you back sometime if you yeah, want to review definitely. anything else ape wise. Uh, Joey, where can people find you? Do you want to plug anything that you got going on? Or yeah, I have. So I do. Uh, I do some like comic book themed T-shirts. My Instagram is at surrounded by tees. There's like uh, there's not too many up right now. I just had a kid recently, so it's hard to do them as frequently as I used to. But there's a couple up. There's like some turtle stuff, some Twin Peaks stuff. Going to do some more soon. So if anybody wants to check out some cool t-shirts, maybe I'll do a Planet of the Apes one. Uh, I won't. Um, oh, man, I would have bought that. You know that, right? I would have bought that shirt. Uh, same. Uh, but I think you're talking to the two people that would buy it. <laughs> yeah, I'll make you guys. I'll make you guys some okay. Planet of the Apes. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, you can find me there. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, Joey. Like, you make the best shirts. I think I have one for every day of the week, and I wear them all the time. Thank you so much for doing this and for uh, venturing out to uh, the Planet of the Apes with us. Yeah, thanks for having me all right awesome thank you thank you again so much joey for being on our first ever episode 
um that was a lot of fun right joe oh tons of fun it was fantastic it was like going to the 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 cages of the planet of the apes and just writing stuff in the sands and having a wonderful time right yeah it was just like rattling the cages (sighs) all right so with that guys um thank you so much for tuning in Thank you again to Louis for providing us with this stellar theme song. Again, his information is in our show info. That's Louis Aronowitz. Um, book him. He's amazing. Yeah, and you can actually follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod Planet of Apes. Or if you want to follow us individually, I am at Major Plot Flaw on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am Voices by Joe on Instagram and Twitter as well. Uh, And as always, guys, we're going to sign off with our classic sign-off. Joe, take it away. Take your hands off me, you damn dirty... animals. Oh, that was so bad. Why Uh, would you do that We'll come up with one eventually. Yeah, that was bad. (laughs) Yeah, there was no plan. (laughs) I just uh, threw it to you and uh, assumed that you would come up with a really good one on the spot, even though I told you that you would totally get it once I threw it to you. Yeah, that that was not... um, (sighs) Animals? <laughs>